Hello and welcome to Game of Moans, a podcast where we are re-watching Game of Thrones an episode at a time. We are on Season 5, Episode 3, High Sparrow. I am Chris Bolton. With me, as always, our very own mountain, Mr. Mark Williams. Hello. And let's just dive straight into this one, I guess. The title says it all. We've already said that we don't like the Sparrows storyline. <laughs> so I saw I saw the episode title for this one and I was like, oh, fuck, here we go. Um, turned out to not be as bad as I thought with the Sparrows yeah. episode. But I, I did just see that episode title and thought, oh, here we go. This storyline's properly going to kick into force now. Um, but it's not so bad. Um, I mean, to start with the opening, uh, again, just like, just like last week, really, and, and the week before. The opening's well shot and it's atmospheric, to be fair. It's really well done. But, again, we've just got way too much fucking lead in, haven't we? Yeah. Like, just get to the point already. But, but, but again, it, it seems like another one of the scenes that belongs in the middle of an episode. You come back from an ad break, and this is how you lead yourself back in. This isn't attention-grabbing beginning of the episode, right, set out your store from the beginning sort of stuff. No, because it's just got way too much lead in. We've got, we're getting the establishing shots. We find out where we are. We find out who's there. It's like, no, just throw us in. Like, we're capable of it. Just throw hmm. us in. We'll catch up, you know? Especially uh, given that, I mean, in this episode, there's quite a lot happens with established characters where they embark, they're embarking on new parts of their story. So start with that. I mean, we, we had this with Arya last week. We don't need it again. We don't need to establish that she's it and you know, that she's she's still there and she's still not doing what she needs to do or she, or she wants to do. We don't need that to kick off the episode. It's like they're doubling down on this storyline being all important for this season, and it's not. It's really not. No. Um, I, well, I talked about my response to this storyline last week, and uh, it hasn't changed in in the intervening week, to be honest. Um, <laughs> I, you know, my very next comment, you know, I'm I'm fucking bored of this whole a girl thing already. Uh, yeah. it, it just it really fucks me off. I'm not going to spend too much time dwelling on it this week. I've got loads of notes about it, but we actually ended up covering it last week. Um, yeah. She's not a girl. She's Arya fucking Stark. Like it's it just annoys the piss out of me. Um, so yeah, it, like, and it it just feels like pointless mangling of words as well. Hmm. Like, like, I I don't know what it is, but you know, the syntax of the way they speak is just all of it is just seems slightly off, and it just fucks me off no end. Um, so yeah, I'm bored of it. Fuck all that. <laughs> um, now, why? I mean, for instance, why did we not open with the wedding procession? Well, yeah, that's what I was going to say. Is that start with that? That's it's a, it's a very you know, it's again, it's, it's very well shot. It looks good, but it's interesting because you you straight you straight away want to know what's going on, and then yeah. you see then you see it's a Lannister carriage. You see Cersei's in it. You're like, all oh, right, okay, so this is going to be Tommen's Tommen's uh, marriage, and automatically you're dragged into what's you know you're, you're drawn into what's going on, not watching her sweep the fucking floor in Bravos. Yeah, it's it's very effective. Like it's really well shot, as you said. It looks expensive as fuck. Yeah, um, it's really well shot. It's really well handled, but. You know, more than anything else, it's brisk and it's to the point. And like you say, it throws you in the middle. It gives you a minute to go, what's going on? Oh, OK, it's the wedding. And then you're yeah. caught up and you're away. Um, it works really, really well. Um, and again, it just goes to show that, you know, they can do these things. They are capable of it. Yeah. So they should do it more often. Um, to be honest, I think this is part, this may be one of their biggest, well, not one of their biggest flaws, but certainly one of their most recurrent flaws is that, so, so no, the, the stuff that gets written, some of it is really good, and you no, know, what shot looks really good. It's just I don't. It just seems that they don't have 
the structure in their heads or they don't have the they can't put a sequence together in their heads which actually makes interesting viewing as opposed to just going well that that comes before that because yeah well we fi- we finished with that one last week so we might as well start with it this week or that one didn't have much airtime last week so we'll give it a bit more now rather than going right what's the best thing for the story what's the most interesting thing for the viewer because let's be honest you're making a tv show you're not making it for yourself you're making it for the people who watch it because nobody watches it you don't get a show um mm-hmm. but it's just like they, they haven't for whatever reason they haven't got that part of the that part of the art down yet they haven't no they haven't looked at saying right okay what's going to be the most engaging what's going to get you know what's going to get people past that first uh that first couple of minutes especially having sat through two and a half minutes of fucking credits yeah i think that's very well put actually mark and i, and I don't think they ever solve that but i no. think that is that you know that in a nutshell is one of the biggest problems with the show now it is for want of a better phrase is very paint by numbers isn't it as you say yeah. it is very well this has to come before that because you know canologically that is how it happens well no look you can you can fuck around with that a bit you fuck around with travel times and distances all the time so just fuck around with the order of the narrative slightly it's fine we'll keep up you but know not only that, i mean it i mean when they're that disparate and, and the stories don't relate at all it doesn't fucking matter no no it really doesn't no it, it's um, not as if you, you know it's not as if you have to see i don't know for example something with jamie and with cersei before the wedding yeah uh, because no that no that would make sense because it's part of the same story therefore it has to be shown first this story with Arya, she's a fucking million miles away and it doesn't relate at all to tommen's marriage so no. why no it doesn't make any difference it, no they, they could have quite easily thrown that in i'd say you know 20 minutes in when you know when you're sort of, you're establishing your second act and that's a good place for it and then the, the stuff that comes with Arya later on you can still do that in order because it works but you just don't have such big gaps in the middle yeah and it, it just would have flowed so much better, wouldn't it? Um, well, yeah. But, and it's such an easy fix. But alas, that's not what they do. I don't know. Maybe we'll get a director's cut at some point and they can go back and fix all of these issues. Yeah, um, I doubt it. Yes, so do I. Um, so anyway, you know, the wedding is brisk. It gets to the point, does what we need to do. And then we're straight into this scene then uh, between the two of them. Uh, yeah. between marjorie and tommy and it's fucking fantastic yeah uh, so there's so much to love about this scene um i mean let's start at the top you know that the initial exchange between them you were lovely you're very sweet just what everyone wants to hear on their <laughs> wedding night i'm sure <laughs> in other words you were shit just bless him bless his little heart you know <laughs> yeah, but yeah I- there's some there's some good comedy in there as well. No, so he's asking if he hurt her because because the sound she was making. So yeah, clearly, internet porn isn't a thing in Westeros. Uh, um, clearly, well, I mean, the internet's <laughs> not a thing, is it? Unless I mean, I don't know. Maybe you can sketch something and attach it to a raven. I don't know. <laughs> I, I I don't know. But uh, even then, you don't get the uh, don't get the moving pictures and the and the sounds. But yeah, it, it's again, you said it's just very sweet. You're right. It's just, you know, he is. No, it's like, no. His thing of I, I like when she's talking to him about his mother, and he says, "Oh, I'm a man now." And he's like, "Yeah, you really fucking aren't, mate. You're still about 12 Yeah, I mean that that stuff is excellent. As I say, she knows exactly how to handle him. You know, she oh, doesn't. Yeah. She doesn't say, "Oh, you were a stud," or "Yeah, that was the best I've had," or none of that. She no. just flat out, "Oh, you're very sweet," knowing that he will respond to that, knowing that he's going to respond to nurture, yeah, uh, because because he's been guarded by Cersei all along, and then she instantly changes tact and starts yeah. turning the screws. You know, she's a lioness guarding her cub. You'll always be her little boy, yeah. You know, whereas you now now you're with me. You can have me, but you can't have her as well. Yeah, you know, you don't you need, need to her grow anymore. up. Yeah, you need to be a man. You need to take charge yourself. You're a king now. But she's very softly, softly about it. Um, you know, like 
damn, she's just good, isn't she? There's there's no other way to put it. She is good. Like like we said, I think it was last week or the week before, it's if Cersei could use her powers for good, yeah. like she would be Marjorie. Yeah. Um, oh, God damn, she's good at it. Uh, yeah. she really there, is. There's, there's a nice line with Tommen as well, whereby they're talking about, he's saying about, you know, about Joffrey and how, you know, if he hadn't died, then he wouldn't be king and he wouldn't be married to Marjorie. Um, and she says, no, you should, it's not your fault. You shouldn't feel guilty. And he's like, I don't. And that's the thing that, no, that's the thing that's weird. And it, again, it's such a nice line because there's so much to unpack in that, that yes, everything he said is, is true. If Joffrey hadn't died, he wouldn't be married Mar- Marjorie because she was already married to Joffrey and he wouldn't be king because his dickwad brother was. So, you know, wh- whether he would feel guilty or not, I think she may have missed the mark there, but it's, it's just a nice reflective moment that we don't get enough of in this show and we, we get a few in this episode yeah um I, I think there are some very good scenes in this episode actually but yeah right at the top of the top of the show this is one of them i thought this scene was excellent yeah uh, and the next one as well you know we move on to just kind of follow that through with this kind of tug of war that we're getting between marjorie and cersei and yeah. for once they do something really clever visually and narratively by cutting back and forth between them and they yeah. employ this kind of direct crosscut technique as each of them is talking about the same subject. Yes. Works very, very well and sets up the tension between them excellently for the next scene when they're actually going to confront each other. Yeah. Just really excellent, inspired stuff. And, and it's stuff that, you know, you, you do. This is visual language that we're used to, you know, yeah. films since the since the early 90s, really. Films have really been doing this a lot, you know, the kind of quick flash cut that you get. But. They employ it perfectly here. They've not really tried it in the show before, save for that horrible montage we had the once with Tyrion, which fell flat on its ass. Yeah. Um, you know, here they nail it. It's very, very well handled. Uh, and then, yeah, when when they do eventually meet again, just uh, Marjorie is is excellent, but she's too cocksure of him, of herself now. You know, like she's yeah. really testing the water with Cersei, and it really yeah. adds to the tension. You know, her opening gambit of "Oh, mother, I wish we had some wine for you." Uh, but it's a yeah. little early in the day for us. Just yeah. digging the knife in straight away. And it's like, at, at this point in the show, I don't think, short of Tyrion, I don't think any other character could get away with that to no. Cersei. No, you're I, right. I just, and and it's, 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 not, it's not just the, the one, no, that one Barbie that she carries on. But I don't know what to call you now. Are you Queen Mother or are you whatever else it was and and he said oh and it doesn't really matter because could be because you know, if, if my wedding night turned it to go by soon you'll be the queen grandmother and again it's just these little digs all the time just to remind her that actually she's obsolete now yeah and for once you know and this is very rare for cersei but she comes here offering an olive branch it's it's admittedly because she knows at this point she's beaten yeah so you know she will try and salvage whatever she can yeah but it is very foolish, and I think a real misstep for Marjorie as well to throw it all back in her face in this way. Um, I mean, it's it's kind of nice. It is nice to see Cersei get a comeuppance of sorts, but also in the back of your head, you're kind of thinking, fucking hell, Marjorie, <laughs> like, this, thing, this really isn't clever. But the thing with it is is that they're, they're both playing to an audience in in a different way. So Mar- they're Marjorie's friends. We don't know who they are, if they're handmaidens, if they're friends of hers or we don't we don't know who they are but she i'm gonna dub them the margets yeah i'll take that the margets yeah (laughs) so i mean we don't know who the margets are so it may it's it's more than likely that neither what neither side wants to come across as being the aggressor neither side wants to come across as being bitter or angry or resentful or anything else so they both try to out nice each other 
Oh, it's politics at its finest. It, 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 it absolutely is. is. Everything, you know, and we've seen Cersei do this before, and it's when she's at her best, but she doesn't rise to it here. But it's it's Marjorie kind of mirroring that. It's the it's the talking in, in forked tongue is the thing. It's all false promises and smiles yes. with, with just that barb at the end. Like, we all know what marjorie's saying we don't need it spelled out for us you know yeah, it's in the right. performance and it's and it's in the writing it's very very well done um and it's credit to both actresses in the scene as well you know i think i think you know this is one of those occasions as well and we've said this with with characters in the show before we learn a lot about cersei by what she doesn't say here yeah rather than what she does say you know she still somehow manages to walk away from this the victor even though Marjorie clearly thinks she is, Cersei walks away from this the bigger person. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, that's that's rare for her. Uh, but it is, I, I sort of see it as a moral victory of sorts for her. She she kind of does win the scene. Um, yeah, yeah, that's fair. I, and you know in the back of your mind as she is walking away, as much as you enjoyed all of those bobs from Marjorie and as, as, as much as I'm enjoying watching her rise to power, there, like I said, there is that voice in the back of my head that's going, oh, don't be so fucking naive. Like, <laughs> you're better than this. Like, you know, don't bite the hand that feeds here. Yeah. Um, I, but the glorious thing about this, actually, and it is glorious for this show, is for once, it doesn't feel out of character is the thing. You know, it does feel very much like at this point she would press her advantage. Yeah. So it's not like this is, a, you know, when we've said before about how, Tyrion flipped out in the trial and just broke character completely. I don't feel like she's breaking character here. I feel like she's just pressing her advantage because she is young and she is naive as much as she might not think that she is. Yeah. She is. Cersei's got a lot of experience on her and knows how to play this game very well. Yeah. So she's just setting herself up for a fall. Um, so yeah, thought it was, again, a very good scene. Two very, very good scenes back to back here. Um, and then just when you think everything's going well, here comes Theon fucking Greyjoy. <laughs> this but season the, was going all right. We haven't seen him for three fucking fair, episodes. We have had two hours and so, two hours and change of no Theon, so that's always good. Yeah, and and to be fair, he is used sparingly here as well, and he, he does and he doesn't open his fucking mouth, so that's good no. as well. So yeah, that, that that's all pretty good, really. Um, then we get this scene with Sansa and Littlefinger, which again is excellent. Like Sansa standing her ground with him. Yeah, uh, it's it's brilliant. Like she's growing as a character now. You can just see the steel starting to forge. You you um, can and she, and she is, but I mean she's you no know, she she's full of piss and you're like, you, you can't make me do it. I won't do it. But then she kind of goes, what, when he presents her with a choice, says, look, it's up to you. We can turn around and go back if you want. He he entirely calls her bluff. Yeah, um, but this but crucially though, by like he's very good in the scene again. Yes. Um, his speech to her helps kind of bring her on. And he, he gets what he plays for, as we were saying last week. When, when they allow him to play politics, he's very good. Yeah. But crucially, and this is where they've gone wrong in the past, crucially, even though Littlefinger steers her to this choice, this feels like it's her decision. And that's crucial. Yes, Littlefinger knew exactly what he wanted her to do, but he manipulated her into doing it rather than told her to do it. Hmm. It feels like she has made this choice. And that's crucial because that gives her agency. Whereas in the past, it's always just been, oh, it's only Sansa. Forget about it. Stick her in a corner and have a cry. Yeah, you know? yeah. Stuff, stuff has always happened to Sansa, isn't there? That's no, we've said this in the past. That yes. she's, she's no, she's very much a victim of circumstance and time and place. Um, so you're right. I mean, I, it, 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 you do get the impression that no, she, he's no, he's totally talked her into it. But she, no, she has no, she has made the, the she choice. Has made you know, the it's, decision. It's the, 
it's it's a decision that you know he he basically no he pushed her into making but she yeah you're right she she has made it one thing that did bug me with this scene actually when he's giving the big you know, the big speech you know he's holding her by the shoulders and looking her dead in the eye and all the rest of it his fucking eye line is all over the bastard shop his eye line is often quite quite bad we've called him on it before in a scene with Sansa I believe as well um but there was one he was he, he was holding her you know, inches from his face and he's looking at her bastard shoulder yeah his he, eye he's line not talking is... to her. His eye lines quite frequently off. I don't know if it's him, if it's the direction. I, I don't know what it is. He doesn't appear to be boss eyed or anything. Hmm. Um, I, I don't yeah, know. For, but... for whatever reason, for most of that bit where where you're in quite close on him and you're over her shoulder, he is looking pretty much between her shoulder and the camera. He ain't looking yeah. in her face. I, I don't even know because it does happen a lot. I don't even know if it's intentional, you know, whether it might be that they're just trying to set him off center slightly. Um, if I don't, I don't know, I, it I doesn't don't work clever. if they do, yeah. But I, I don't know. I, I do wonder whether there is there is some art direction in there, you know, when somebody's just got a little bit arty farty and thought, well, what if we set him off center and what if he's never looking people in the eye and he's a bit shifty and I don't know. Maybe maybe it's a choice. Where yeah, this choice, there's meaning, and and it happens a lot. You know, it, it happens too much for it to be one off. I think. Um, yeah. But but his speech, I think, is is excellent. And, and again, yeah. it's. You know, it, he does persuade her, but he adds strength to her as well. It, it's sort of like I said, you can see the sort of steel forging here. And it it's almost like he's forging the sword here and she's going to wield it. You know, the, the words that he comes out with, you know, there's no justice in the world unless we make it. Yeah. You loved your family. Avenge them. Yeah. Like this is the birth of Sansa Stark as she will become. You know, mm. this this is the birth of the First Lady of the North here. This is it's all here he's he's given it to her and she consciously accepts it she doesn't go with the flow she yeah. kind of rises up and says yes okay and agrees with him so like i said it's her choice he may have pushed her into making it but ultimately it's her choice and that means a lot um so then we get uh, some more stuff with Pod and Brienne. And Pod, again, bless him. This is just an episode of, like, guys being nice, aside from Littlefinger, really, and it? Bless yeah. him. He's such a nice guy. He's just, you know, to, much to Brienne's disdain, really. She's trying her hardest to dress him down and just yeah. tell him he's shit and get a rise out of him. And he just throws it straight back at her every time. You know, he's yeah. like, yes, but I'm learning. Yes, but you're teaching me. Yes, yeah. he's, he's just such a nice guy. Um, and then we get this backstory for Brienne, uh, which is just incredibly disappointing. Yeah. Uh, it's it's just high school bullshit. Um, and it, it kind of, it boils her arc down to vengeance, which seems to be completely at odds with everything that we know about her and about how honourable she is. Well, I think the pro the problem with it is that she there, there are two parts to her arc. So we we did we did have this bit where she did swear vengeance for Renly because you know, Renly was killed in front of her, and she you know she fa she feels she failed, therefore she owes him. And I get that, and that you know, that puts her in a similar path to Arya, whereby there is vengeance that is owed. Um, so there are no. It's interesting looking at the two arcs and seeing how you no know, how they, how they branch off and how they come together sort of towards the end. Um, so we get that, and that stuff is fine, but then you get the whole stuff about the dance, yes. and it's just like, oh, for fuck's sake. And like, we've talked on, on uh, SMPD, but no, high school is a universal experience, so people will, people will have had that. People will have had those embarrassing bits where, you know, where they're awkward teens and all the rest of it, but this isn't the fucking place for that. You're not making Riverdale. You're not making no. Dawson's fucking Creek here. You're making Game of Thrones. Give some swords, give some dragons, or fuck off. And, and it also... 
you know, when you have a character that so consciously subverts expectation like Brienne, yeah, it feels, and again, I don't know why this kind of shit surprises me, but it, it feels reductive to boil her down to, ah, but she was the ugly one in school because she was so freakishly tall. And that's what made her. Th- yes, we know that. We've been around that dance with her already. Yeah. Fuck, I've, I've danced that for the last 35 years. So, yeah, so we don't we don't need it again. Why can't it just be enough that, yes, she was that. And now she's this kick ass lady knight who can never really be a knight because she's a lady. But she's just this kick ass fucking warrior. Why does she have to have this big grudge on her shoulder? Because actually, all she really wants is the boy's attention. Yeah. Get fucked. Like, get yeah. f- that is offensive on so many levels. Like, she is way more than that. And ultimately, yes, that does play into her arc. Um, but I feel like they handle it quite well later on because the character that it plays out with, they grow to have a relationship and it becomes more than just looking for a man's attention. It's more yeah. about looking for a particular person's attention. And that's a that's a basic human need. Yeah. Male, woman, gay, straight, bi, trans, whatever you are, there is a basic human need for connection. So that's fine. That crosses boundaries. But to literally boil this down to, well, I wanted to be a pretty little girl in a dress and all the boys laughed at me, just yeah. is horrible. It's just horrible. And again, like I say, we I get the vengeance for Renly. I mean, that's that's not where I'm coming from with the vengeance yeah. arc. It feels like she is motivated now by this kind of desire to prove all of these boys wrong. Like she's got vengeance against these boys for calling her freakishly ugly. And Yeah, it's it's, it's the ugly duckling syndrome, isn't it? It's, it's, it's just such a shitty arc to give what has thus far been a, a very interesting character. And, and you know, a character that could have so many more layers than this. There, yeah. are, there are all sorts of ways that Brienne could end up being Brienne as we know her. And this could be a very small part of that. But to play it off as her backstory, like it's her inciting incident, like, yeah. you know, this this is her origin, essentially. It's just shit. But the thing just, is, there are, so, there are so many better ways to sell that story as well. So you still have, you know, she, you know her father wanted her to have a ball and she didn't want to go. And she so she went under protest, and it was fucking miserable because all the boys were scared shitless of her, and the ones who would approach her, she didn't like, so she beat the fuck out of. At least then, there's something true to her character. Yes, but, totally agree, totally agree. That, instead, that would be the way to of, play it. Instead of oh well, yeah, I was a princess for a night, and then all, I heard all the boys laughing because you know, I wasn't Cinderella after all; I was the scullery maid, um, and they no, they just didn't want to know me. They were no, they were taking bets or whatever. What, whatever it was supposed to be, it's just. As you say, it's entirely reductive, and it pisses on everything we've had for the last four seasons, and it sets her back probably about two years in terms of her progression. Yeah, it really does. And and as you say, it could have been much better handled by, okay, I wore the dress to please my father, but I didn't feel comfortable in it, and this, that, and that. That's all fine, and that feels like it's the, it's the start of what, what we now know as Brienne. But, yeah. oh, I was having a lovely time and thought I might have been a princess, and my hair was braided, and, oh, aren't I pretty? Look at my shoes. That's not Brienne. No, and the thing—I uh, mean, I, I don't buy it. The whole, the whole thing, anyway. Ha- having giving her this backstory with Renly, it's fucking pointless. Yeah, completely. We don't need it. We, we don't. don't need... We know who she is at this point. Yeah, we don't need any of this. No, any of this stuff about her childhood or where she came from or her family because we haven't had it so far, and she's still a character that is much beloved because we know who she is. We know mm. this. All this does is diminishing what people what people think they know about her because. There's no need for it. And as as to why she was in service of Renly, she doesn't. You know, he doesn't need to have been the you know, the nice gay man who danced with us. All the other boys would fuck off. He no. you know, he was he was a king. 
she she believed she believed she in his to cause. Be a knight. That that's yeah. it. It's it's not important. Yeah, what's what's important all. is you know that was the start of her story. He died. She pledged her, her allegiance to someone else. She's an honourable person. That's yeah. Given this whole thing about how the gay man danced with her, is again offensive on so many levels. Not <laughs> not just on the Brienne level. Um, best we park it there before I get really fucking annoyed with it because it, it is it's just horrible. Um, yeah, the worst thing in the episode by a long shot and bearing in mind this has both the House of Black and White and the Sparrows in it that's really fucking saying something and Theon and Theon yeah um, but never mind because we quickly get onto the real fucking story uh, and our hero shows up um, John handles Stannis like a true leader in this yes. next scene Stannis tries to bait him Stannis offers him everything he ever wanted again and John just doesn't rise to it at all he doesn't rise to any of Stannis's barbs, he just rises above and he cuts him down with grace and humility, um, yeah. which is which is you know everything a true leader should do. He's every inch a king himself in this hmm. scene. Um, he's a leader of men and has been for a very long time now. That's what he's growing yeah. into. Um, and to see him go toe to toe with the would be king here is is excellent. Um, doesn't back yeah. down. Isn't intimidated by him. Just and at the same time isn't offensive towards him. Isn't combative. Just yeah. handles him perfectly well with with grace and humility. It's an excellent scene for John, I think. It, it is. I, I really like um, the exchange between him and Stan as well, where he says, "No, you're you're every bit as honourable as your father." And John's like, "I can think of no higher praise." You know, I didn't mean it as a compliment. And so, well, that's what I fucking took it as. So it doesn't yeah. matter what, how you meant it. Um, but again, it's it's just John being John. Yeah. Um, and you know, say so he's he doesn't need to be an arse. And then you, know, you get the. Um, the suggestion that he he, he sends um, he sends Alistair Thorne off somewhere else to make his life easier, but again, that's not for the good that's of the watch. So is. when yeah. so when we get to the next scene, is it? I don't know if it's straight after or if it's a couple of later. Uh, it's a couple of later. We've got a very very good scene uh, next, which we'll get onto when we get to okay. it. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so I mean, we 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 can already see. You know, there there are opportunities for John to to not abuse his position as such, but to you no know, to revel in it and to make and to use it to make his life easier. Um, Similarly, with with this offer from Stannis, he could quite easily turn around and say, "Yep, yeah, you know what? Fuck the watch. The king, you know, the, the the king has pardoned me, and he's made he's made me Lord of Winterfell. He's legitimized me, so I'm off. Later, bitches." But he, no, he's not going to do that. But he doesn't turn. He's he's not he's not mugging anybody off. He's not saying, "Oh, fuck it, fuck you." He's, it's just, no, I appreciate it. I'm very grateful. However, I have a duty. I just wore an oath. That, you know, this is where I belong because winter is coming, and we haven't yeah. heard that line for a good couple of years now. It's almost an ear punch moment, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> it's almost like, it's like, oh shit, somebody like, remembers yes. what the story's about. Yeah, winter's coming. All right, finally. Um so yeah, it's it's great. And it's it's made even better when Stannis leaves. Yeah. Uh, and and we get the conversation with the Onion Knight, which just which wraps it all up beautifully. You know, we yes. have this exchange between them again, two men talking openly and honestly and with the utmost respect for each other. You know, yeah. and, and John is just great in the scene. He clearly has the weight of the world on him. He understands he's listening to everything that he's being told, yeah. but he knows that it's not for the greater good. He is carrying the weight of the world on his shoulders and whatever he decides could potentially cost thousands of lives. You yeah. know, this is this is true hero stuff. This this really is like true hero's journey stuff here. He's yeah. carrying the entire story and the weight of the world. It's just fucking accept this this scene like kit harrington this season is is superb like these three episodes alone 
he's he's amazing. Like he really is. He's really playing the hero card very well now. Yeah. Um, makes up for some of the uh, Joey Tribbiani smell the fart that we got back in season <laughs> one, really. Um, although, I mean, I still liked him a great deal then, but he's he's really grown some chops this season. Yes. Yeah, definitely. Uh, so, yeah, really, really good stuff. And, of course, it starts sowing the seed for some relationships that will come to fruition later on. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, really, just really, really good scene. Um, so the next scene, um, I mean... I've said I hate the House of Black and White, and I do, but this scene gets a pass uh, just because I, uh, for no other reason, could have shouted anything at the waif when she comes yeah. in and starts having a crack at her. Yeah, could have yes. shouted anything. <laughs> but this is Arya Stark, so of course she calls her a cunt. Like, go well, Arya. It, yes. Well, it's, it's it's not even that. It's the fact that she comes in and she, she hits her with a stick, and it's not, oh, what you're doing. It's... Oh, you can't. Can't. Yeah, it's it's just instinctive. It's the yeah. type of thing you do, like. It's something type of we, we would do. Yeah, it exactly is, isn't it? <laughs> just the gut reaction, the first word out of her mouth isn't "ow," isn't "what's that for?" It's "you can't." <laughs> yeah. And and it's it's good as well because I mean we we've talked about you know Arya not really being Arya at this point and how you know, how this should be mishandled, but straight away as soon as Jack Nagar comes in, he and asks what's going on. The waif is straight on the defensive. She's into lying about, we were just playing, we were just doing this because she knows she shouldn't be doing it. And I is just like, I'm not getting involved in this stupid fucking game. I've got bigger shit to worry about. I've got bigger fish to fry. So instead of ratting you out, I'm just going to lay into this fucker for making me sweep the floors. Yeah, Uh, it's great. I love it. Uh, But then unfortunately we do have, you know, they start doubling down again on this. No one shit. Who are you? I'm no one. Or if a girl is no one, then she wouldn't be acting. All that shit. Like, look. I'm not going to go over it again. I hate it. She's Arya Stark. She's not no one. And then we get this weird washing scene. Yeah. Uh, what the fuck is the point? What, well, yeah, what is that, this that's about? It, that's it. There's, it's not. It's not. She's not. She's not learning anything about death. She's not learning anything about the faceless man. She's not learning anything about the many faced god. So I don't see the point. No. I really don't see the point. And it's not as if she's bonding with a waif. It's. It's literally just filler. Uh, it serves yeah. no purpose whatsoever. Um, yeah, it's I, not. I, it's I not like get... she's washing anything away. You can't even place significance of it. Like if she was washing herself, yeah. then you could say, "Oh, she's washing Arya away, right?" I, like that's bollocks. But you could, you could it, claim it, that. You could, but claim it's that, not no. that. If they no, I mean, we we like we saw the 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 guy who, she, who they're washing. We saw him earlier on. He drank from the fountain. He died. Um, mm-hmm. So if she had had some involvement, even if no, she'd handed him a cup. Something to, to give her involvement in that, so she feels a responsibility or a duty to do something for this person. Then it makes sense. As it stands, it's just a random dead bloke who they decide to strip and wash. Yeah, it's it's a stupid scene. It's utterly pointless. Um, so we get that. Then we're back to Winterfell after this. Mm. Um, Sansa again the things that are said without being said like just her brief pause before she greets Ruth Bolton yes is so nicely played because of every of, of this kind of scene we had earlier on where she commits to doing this thing with Littlefinger and they still yeah. they just play that pause of is she going to do it is she going to go through with it is she going to stab him in the neck what she, is she going to walk away what's she going to do you just you honestly do not know what her intentions no, that's right. are and it's very well played. Like it's it's just long enough of a pause. It's it's very well done. It, it's very very well done. Um, it, it, from here on out, now you know the stuff at Winterfell. I seem to remember from here on out with with Sansa. 
and with the Boltons is is some of my favourite stuff in the show. Hmm. Um, I, I remember this arc going. I mean, this this some unfortunate stuff as well as there always is. Yeah. But um, it pays off nicely, and I I do sort of enjoy this. Basically, any time we're up north, I think I prefer it. If I'm perfectly honest. Yeah. Um, so it, so that's... interestingly, um, just reading about this um, uh, this scene, it, it, there were lots of people who had the same sort of reaction. They weren't quite sure where she was going to go, how she was going to do it. Um, in the book, this storyline doesn't happen. Um, oh, okay. It's, um, the, it, this was a decision made by the showrunners that in the book, there's a, a minor who's impersonating Arya. Right. And that girl goes on to uh, marry uh, Ramsay and have all that shit. Um well, that's nowhere near as good. Well, no, exactly. And I mean, I think that... Hold on, hold on. Are you saying they've actually made a conscious choice to adapt <laughs> something rather than just well, it religiously like... follow and make it better? Well, it looks like. I mean, the, the thing is that there, there are a couple of points there. Is that one, the Bolton storyline without conflict with the Starks isn't fucking interesting. Well, it's pointless, isn't it? It's entirely redundant. But also, if Sansa's not doing this, where the fuck is she? Yeah. Oh, this works so much better than having on on so many levels. Like I said, this I think I mean this is tremendously important to the show now. This storyline. Oh, definitely. And I yeah. think you know, short of the horrible, horrible thing that happens, which we'll talk about when we get there. Yeah. Um, it's I think it's very well handled as well. Like yeah, it's, I, it's I agree. Drama stuff. I, but again, even with that horrible, horrible thing that happens, it's not the same as when that horrible, horrible thing has happened before, because mm-hmm. at least it pays off. Yes, exactly. Um, so you know, I'm not, I'm not defending that, but at least it does pay off. So yeah, yeah. at least as a, as a point to it in terms of the story. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I'm just looking at a quote now. There's um, uh, David uh, David Benioff was explaining that they um they wanted to give Sophie Turner something meaty to do, uh, and Brian Cogman oh, added fucking time. Yeah. Well, yeah, exactly. Um, and Brian Cogman, who's at this point up to uh, he's a sort of associate producer level, I think. I don't think he's just writing anymore. Um, but the, the, as a as a team, they felt it made more sense to give that storyline to somebody that the audience already know, because we're halfway through the run at this point. Um, somebody they already know, somebody they already like, rather than trying to blood a new character. Yeah, yeah, oh, definitely. So, so it, de- it definitely makes sense. It's a very good choice, um, which I don't know. I don't want to be too harsh on them, but I am surprised that because, as you said, historically they have religiously followed parts of stories and then just completely omitted others. And it would have kind of made sense to just forget about this, to forget about Winterfell altogether and say, mm. well, yeah, the Boltons have got it now. So fuck it. It's done. I'm, I'm very pleasantly surprised by it. And, and like I've said before, you know, credit where it's still. We, we, we neg on these guys a lot, but, yeah. you know, they obviously do. And I, th- I think as the show goes on, they kind of learn this stuff as they go. And yeah. I think this is definitely not a decision that they might have been able to make two seasons ago. I, I don't think they would have had the no. foresight or the knowledge to do that. Um, no. and I think as well, I mean, they're at a point now where they know they're in the last season of Source Material. Yes, so they, they need know to start come... sowing their own seeds. Yeah, they need to start planning things out and they need to start seeding things now so that come the end of season five, beginning of season six, into season seven, there's stuff that they've they've done the groundwork for, and I think this is always the danger when you're adapting something. No, if you're adapting a book, it's easy in a way because you you've got the whole thing there. When you're doing a series of books which hasn't been finished yet, there's always that risk, especially when you've got George R. R. Martin writing it because he's so fucking slow. Um, that there's always a risk you're going to overtake, and you're going to have to then deviate from an initial plan or 
deviate from a particular style. Um, and it would have been very easy to get to the end of the season and go, oh, right, okay, fuck. Now what? Yeah. Um, so it's you no, know, they have started making these choices. And I think credit to them, they could have quite easily gone, well, we'll go back to George R. R. Martin and see what he had what's coming next. And then we'll you know, we'll just kind of work around it. Uh, instead of actually going, well, you know what? If we do this, we've then got a through line to the end of this season. If we do yeah. this, we can then take this character off to this point and then bring them back around for the end of their arc or the end of the show or whatever. So it's them. They are actually starting to think like showrunners, where they're going right. We have a long term plan. Excuse me. Rather than just saying right, we we know what the book says until the end of the series. Yeah. Yeah. No. I, fair play. Hats off to them. Yeah. Definitely. Uh, excellent choice. Definitely for the better. Um, and yeah, there's, there's some good storytelling that I think this this arc works very very well. And yeah. you know, finally gives Sansa something to do and transitions her into the into ultimately the character that she will become, who I who I love. Yeah. Um, so then we get some more stuff with John North of the Wall and the the latrine bait and switch with yes. Thorn here is brilliant. Really, it, you it, know, it it's been brilliant. set up with Stannis. And yeah. then they play it through excellently. You know, the constant cutaways to Thorne, as John's saying, he needs a new latrine captain, needs somebody to dig it out. Yeah. And again, the kind of pregnant pause before he announces who's going to do it. Yeah. Um, it's, and and it's, there's, there's so the, 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 um, the well-mannered baiting as well. Oh, yeah, the, no, this seems like a job for a ginger. A ginger, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's, 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 all, it's all it's stuff we've heard before from the watchers. No, he's not going out of his way. He's not changing the world. He's not going out of his way to say, right, we're not going to bully anybody anymore. We're not going to pick on anybody now because they're ginger or because they're fat or anything else. That'll still happen because that, you know, good natured ribbing and all the rest. And until somebody goes postal, is fine. But at the same time, I'm not going to put up with the shit. But it's a, it's a good, it, it's a good scene for John. In as much as we can, we get the, we get the, the sense of how, you know, how he's going to be as, as a leader. He, you know, he's, he's not going to give the most experienced person their latrine duty. We know no, as tempting as it would be, and this is what I was talking about earlier on. It's tempting. It would be tempting for him to abuse his power and say, right. Yana Slint, Alsa Thorne, you're a bunch of cunts, go and dig the fucking toilet. Yeah. But he's, that's not who he is. He you know, he he is looking to rise above all the shit and all the stuff he's had so far and say, right, okay, well, you fought no, when the Wildlands came, you fought them bravely. You've got more experience than anybody else, so you're gonna be my first ranger because it's for the good of the watch. That is what the watch needs. That's what I need to succeed. Not yeah. you digging a not you digging a fucking old in the, you know for people to shit in no and it speaks volumes about john as a character because it yeah. shows that he's not bearing any kind of grudge yeah he's not uh, petty he's not vindictive no. at all and well. and as you say you you instantly get you know the the gags about it seems like a good job for ginger and stuff like that you can instantly see and it's what got him to the seat he's in at the first place he's yeah. leading from the front he's one of them yeah. he's not he's not a commander who's just going to sit there and bark orders yeah like he is one of the boys he's one of them one of the night's watch and they know that he'll be in there with them in the trenches so to speak maybe not in the latrine but certainly leading from the front and all of that then adds weight to the next command you know yes. when it, when he t- pulls the bait and switch and he gets thorn can't say gets him on side, but begrudgingly gets respect from him. Yeah. Because, you know, he's... Yeah, he's Thorne, not Thorne's expecting it. Yeah, Thorne's expecting him to be a cunt about it. Yeah, and he's not. And I think, you know, as much as Thorne's never going to like him and they're never going to be friends, like, that's a decision that he can, at this point, respect. Yes. So then when Janice starts kicking off yeah. and, you know, he's expecting Thorne to back him up, he doesn't get it. Because because Thorne knows that he's outnumbered now because John's got the rest of the Night's Watch on side because he's yeah. leaning from the front and he's one of them and they're all laughing and thinking he's funny. Um, and, and more more than anything else, if Thorne were to act now 
after he's just been treated with such respect and bigged up by John, which again is intentional, you know, it's a political move to big yeah. him up like that in front of everybody, then that just makes him look like an absolute cunt yeah. and loses any swell that he might have to launch a coup later down the road. So he has no choice but to stand aside. Yeah. And then again, just seeing this through to its ultimate end and comparing this, I said last week when we talked about Danny that I'd, I'd bring this back around this yeah. week, uh, he who passes sentence swings the sword and John does. You yeah. know, he's, he tells Yanis that he's going to be put to death and he fucking cuts his head off. Um, and again, that, that ties into something I said uh, way back two weeks ago now, you know, I, my belief that all true heroes, they, they have to be chaotic. They yeah. have to have that element of chaos in them because John has to do this to prove a point. He yeah. has to lay down the law now. He has to say that, look, winter is coming. I'm going to get you through it, but you need to shut the fuck up and follow me. If I tell you to do something, you do it yeah. because I am acting in the greater good here. This guy's a cunt. He won't listen. His head's coming off. But not and he only had that. to do that. He, he did. I mean, it's not, again, it's not as if he put him on latrine duty. It was a case of, I'm giving you command of a castle. Yes, it's yeah. A, yeah, yes it needs a bit walked. of work. Yeah. You could you could have walked away from this and gone, okay, yeah, he's a dick. He made me go into, he made me repair a castle. Well, what did yeah. he fucking do? At least I still got my head. Yeah, exactly. But he disobeyed a direct order. And uh, so yeah, John... He, I mean, if, effectively, I mean, and this is, comes back to the very, very first scenes we had in the show back in season one. He was deserting. It was, fuck your orders. I'm not listening to you. I'm not one of you. So bollocks to you. Mm. He, was, he was deserting, effectively. Yeah. So he had no. He, that's that's within John's within John's gambit. That's within his power, and we've seen that from the very beginning. So when I watched it, when I watched it f um, back yesterday, I, I originally thought well, that's a bit fucking harsh. But then thinking back to that original scene, is that it's not just because he undermined him. It's not just he defied an order. It's because he was breaking his vow, which is no. We've we've said we've said in this episode, and we've said all the way through. It's probably the most important thing in John's life. Is his duty and his 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 humility and the fact that he, there is a vow you've made a vow therefore you fucking stick to it yeah. and whether whether it's marriage whether it's the night's watch whether it's fidelity to a monarch which we'll see later on you you make a vow and you stand by it and if it doesn't suit you later on tough shit yeah exactly it is the mirror opposite of everything that happened with with the execution that danny performed last week yeah. which was entirely dishonorable this you know yeah, it might seem harsh, but it's an entirely honourable act. The guy was given a command. He didn't follow it through. If we, you know, if we pull this through to modern day, if this was the army, you'd be court-martialed. Yeah. If this is, yeah, if this is the army in World War One, you get shot in the back. Exactly. Like, John has to, you know, and, and let's be fair, these aren't a group of well-disciplined soldiers that he's leading either. No. These are criminals. Yeah. Yeah, you know, this, this is fucking prison rules. Like it, it is kill or be killed, and we forget that about the Night's Watch sometimes. So yeah. he had to prove his point, and he needs the Night's Watch on side. Otherwise, everybody's going to fucking die. So entirely justified yeah. in what he does doesn't make it right, which is what makes him chaotic. And like I said a couple of weeks ago, I truly believe all real heroes have to be chaotic because if they're too stymied by rules and regulations, then sometimes they can't make the hard decisions. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, very very good couple of scenes for John again, um, and then tits. Yeah, and some fucking fantastic sideburns. Yes, like amazing sideburns. Uh, I could I couldn't look at the tits. I was so fascinated by the sideburns. <laughs> yeah, um, no, I, I I've been avoiding uh, I've been avoiding any sort of personal grooming over lockdowns. So mine mine are pretty impressive. My sideburns, not my tits, um, but nowhere near as classy as this guy's uh, chops. They are some amazing mutton chops, aren't they? They are. Um, 
so yeah, I, you know, the, obviously uh, we've got a man of of God, essentially a man of the cloth or man of the gods, um, yeah. and a whorehouse. Yeah, Sparrows not much cloth at that point. No, sparrows burst in, take him away, uh, and then we get the small council meeting, and we have a brilliant throwback line, which I, be honest, I totally would have missed first time I watched it in the show, but mm. because we've done this rewatch and I have the context, uh, <laughs> the maester's line of a man's private affairs ought to stay private. Yeah. Just had me fucking creased. Thinking well, well, back, to, thinking back to a couple of seasons ago. Yeah, as I was gonna say, because I mean, the whole thing is that uh, the the maesters again. They're you know, I don't know where they're supposed to be celibate, but they're supposed to be. Um, no, they're supposed to be righteous and virtuous and all the rest of it. And we've already seen him with whores and his little fucking you know, his his act of being feeble and lame and all the rest yeah. of it. So I mean, yeah, it's a it's a nice little throwback, and but it's so it would be so easy to miss. Because yeah, I said, I mean, it was that was what mid season two, and it, and the line makes so much sense in context. Yeah, was well, out, out of context. I mean, three years after you saw it first, that means nothing. No, but it's it's these little touches that when you're telling a grand story like this, and you have yeah. these sort of more minor characters that can weave in and out, it's these little touches now and again that that really do set this show off. It's 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 things like this that yeah. make you remember that actually it, it, it can be quite special at times. You know, for all we neg on it, it is because of the scope of this thing. Yeah. It is capable of being really something quite special at times. And then this is one of those occasions, just that little throwaway line. If you if you know what it's getting at, if you understand the through line there, I, I was I was in bits. I missed the rest of the scene because I was just in bits. <laughs> Spat coffee. I just yeah. absolutely in bits. Hilarious. And it's delivered perfectly as well when you listen to it. You know, oh, there's so much indignation. Guilty. Yeah, yeah, totally. Yeah. Totally. A, a man's private life ought to remain private. You know, yeah. he's really he's determined about it because he knows he's fucking guilty. Yeah. Um, it's brilliant. Brilliant stuff. Uh, like I say, I've, I've not got any more notes on the scene because I missed it because I was laughing too fucking hard. Um, to, to be honest, I mean, that, that's pretty much the highlight. I mean, we've got you know, the Hyseptin comes in and he's, you know, they've come in and they, they threaten our they threaten our religion and all this. And Kyburn is straight on him. Didn't this altercation take place in a brothel, man of God? And immediately cuts the legs out from underneath him. At that point, he has nowhere to go, but he he still tries banging on. No, he still tries hammering the drum and saying, "Look, we have to do this. We can't let them get away with this." Not because it's actually in front of their religion, but actually because he's been humiliated. He's been caught out, and now he knows that he will be. You know, people will remember that because people will remember Flabby Manas being whipped around the street. Yes. Um... Yeah, uh, and and again, some interesting foreshadowing there as he's as he's whipped down the street with his man yeah. boobs and and his cock yeah, on. Yeah, no show. thing, of, no thing of no people calling shame and all the rest of it. Yeah, um, so yeah, I, I missed the rest of that scene, but then uh, we see Cersei marching through King's Landing to meet with the High Sparrow. Yeah, um, who is just instantly, utterly charming and completely disarming. Yes, um, which you know I do remember him being as well. Um, and it's it's unfortunate that I hate this storyline so much because he's fucking good, isn't he? Which I mean, you would expect. I was going to say I, I'm yet to see Jonathan Price not be good in anything. Yeah, yeah, but he's just so utterly charming. He, he um, is, and I think he needs to be because I mean. The way it's been set up so far, it was set up um, in week one, in, in episode one, with um, Tywin's brother, fucking Kevin. Um, straight away, so they're lunatics, they're fanatics, they're zealots. So you're expecting him to be this really pious, self-righteous cult leader. 
So when when you actually see him and he's at a soup kitchen giving food to people and he hasn't got any shoes on because he gave them to somebody else who needed them more, actually you start to think, hang on a minute, that's not who we no, that's not what was painted. That's not who we were promised. That's not what we were expecting. And so to then have this character, this this character who is completely charming, completely disarming, completely um, open, and he just don't, he doesn't he's not there playing games. Yes, okay, he, no, he he answers a question with a question a couple of times, but he's not there to get one over on anybody. No. And straight away we it's it's like hang on, where where's David Koresh? No, where where's no where where where's the siege mentality? Where no where are these fanatics you were talking about? This is their leader. And from what we've seen at the moment, he's not doing anything other than serving the people. Yeah. And and to be fair, at, at this point, I'm going to go out on a limb and say, like, I know I get wound up by the Sparrows later on because I did last time. And I know I get wound up by him later on. But that's only because he's such a good villain. Yes. If you choose to look at him at a villain again, he's existing in this morally gray area. Like you say, the first time we meet him here. He fully believes in everything he's doing. He's giving his yeah. shoes away. He's feeding the poor. Like yeah. he's not he's dressed doing... in rags. There's no grandeur yeah. about it. He, no. There's nothing celebrated about him he's as opposed not... to the Septon, for example. Yeah, he's not doing any wrong in his eyes. Um, all the actions, like, and he even says, like, some of the sparrows can get a bit carried away, you know. And yeah. he he understands that the fact that he doesn't stop them is perhaps wrong, um, but. You know, he exists in this morally grey area. He will come to be thought of as a villain, I think, as the show goes on. And he will start to get under my skin as the show goes on. And mm. that's entirely intentional. So credit to everybody for that, because I think yeah. it's played for. Yeah. And so the more I watch this now and the more I'm seeing where this comes from, we'll see how this season and most of the next season pans out. Um, but I'm starting to think, actually, I may not hate this quite as much this time out. Yeah. Uh, knowing where it goes and, and seeing the little touches. Maybe maybe I misjudged this storyline because it's certainly off to a pretty good start here. Yeah, to be I, mean, fair. I, I think the thing with it is and we'll we'll see on, on the rewatch because, I mean, I'm, I'm the same as you. I, I hated this storyline. Um, but I think because it was so distracting from the actual story and what was yes. important. Yeah. But now doing it this way, whereby we're going, we're doing it week for week, and we'll watch this right through to the end now. And I say by June we'll finish or whatever it is. But we'll no, we'll do this week on week on week, and we're not waiting a year, year and a half between seasons to get to that point. So yeah. we can we can kind of follow it through a bit more logically and a bit easier. So I think I think that will help it. And I think that as long as Jonathan Price keeps on being this fucking suave, I think he's going to be fine. Yeah, uh, he's excellent. So. Yeah, so Cersei goes and sees him. Uh, they come to some sort of mutual. Yeah, there's like, an unsp- there's like an unspoken thing, and you kind of get the impression that more shit is going to go down. Yeah, but, but we you... don't we don't see it, and we don't need to see it. Exactly, you scratch my back, I'll scratch yours. This yeah. essentially the the deal that they've come to. Yeah, this this kind of this 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 sort of unsaid concession whereby they say no, uh, he he didn't want you whipped, he wanted you executed. Yeah. but he's now in my dungeon, and there's nothing there's nothing. She doesn't sort of say, but. If you, you know, if you do this for me, I'll I'll put him away. I'll get rid of him. You'll never hear from him again. He won't cause you any more trouble. It's just this: I've done you a favor already, and if, what you want to do with that, that's entirely up to you. It's textbook Cersei, you know, even to the point of she doesn't agree with him outright, but she also doesn't disagree with him when he's saying things. Yeah. She she talks again in forked tongues with him. She she very yeah. much lets him come to his own conclusion. Um, yeah, that's right. Very well done. Very well done scene. Uh, unfortunately, the next one is funny for all the wrong fucking reasons. Um, <laughs> we get, we get this very short scene with uh, with the mountain laid out on a table in the background, yeah. um, and he, he, I mean, he just does a full on 
like Frankenstein monster twitch. Yeah. But the it's comical. The timing just seems all off. It's yeah. like everything goes quiet for a moment, specifically to allow him to twitch. Yeah. Uh it's it's fucking terrible. It's it, it is. B movie terrible. Um, and it's pointless. It it is, and at, at this stage, it doesn't mean anything. And they'd have been far better off just having having whatever's going on around, have a scene going on, and just him fucking groaning in the background. Yeah, just to remind us that he's still alive. That he's still alive. Yeah, because then I, when you get the payoff later on, it works. Yeah, as it stands at the moment, they set it up that something is happening. And like we said last week with um, Drogon appearing, they've set it up too early. So by the time something happens, you're not surprised by it. That they lose that shock value, they lose that wow factor, because actually you've kind of signposted it for the last and, three weeks. And let's be fair, there's very little wow factor when it actually happens either. Uh, well, one yeah, of exactly. the most, one of the most disappointing things in the entire season, I think, uh, in the season yeah. series. Sorry, uh, is, yeah. is where that that eventually goes. Um, so I don't say this very often, but we're back over at Winterfell and. Credit to Theon here, credit to Alfie Allen, and credit to everybody that made this decision. Mm. Uh, the little touches, again, sometimes are what sets this show off, and Theon consciously hiding his face from Sansa at every opportunity. Yeah. You know, it, it kind of harkens back uh, to when we had Arya uh, back in season two, I want to yeah. say, serving Tywin, and she would constantly yes. turn away. Yeah. It kind of harkens back to that. You know, Theon is always aware of where Sansa is and yeah. always makes sure that he doesn't face her. Yeah, um, really, really good. Uh, and again, it's one of those narrow misses between characters. And it's it's a very quick exchange between them yeah. where she just kind of walks past him, but he instantly turns away. Great. Yeah. Really, really like that. Yeah, it works really well. Yeah. Um, we get more great little finger stuff here. We, we have this conversation between him and, and Roose Bolton. Yeah. Um, and, and he's brilliant throughout it all. And they're talking about how the Ravens come from King's Landing. And, you know, even as an audience at this point, like, he he plays this so well that we we just can't work out what his intentions are. Yeah, he's 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 fantastic. You know, it, you get the line from him: "Every ambitious move is a gamble." Yeah, um, I, and that sums him up perfectly. You know, he's he's his own Mexican standoff, as we said last week. Yeah. Like he's playing three sides here, yeah, and he's doing it like he's got everyone wrapped around his little finger. Yeah. Um, he's fucking great given the right material he's so fucking good he's such an interesting character yeah um so yeah really liked that exchange between the two of them as well um yeah and again i mean the, the stuff with roos there's been a couple we haven't really mentioned him um in this episode but there have been a couple of things where he's um, he's quite realistic he's resigned the fact that he doesn't have the protection of the lannisters anymore because no. he did he did a job for and we talked about last week with um, the fact that he's not on Arya's list whereas walder frey is he did a job for the Lannisters and he got paid for it. He was rewarded for it, but that's as far as it goes because now that Tywin's dead, they don't give two fucks. So no, they ain't riding a thousand miles North to protect him. When somebody comes a calling. No, no. When the North rises up, that's your fucking problem, mate. Yeah, um, he's out and, on his own. And he's, it's, it's good to see a character realize that as well, because I mean, we have so many things whereby, People think they're in alliances and then they get double crossed. He's very much you no know, straight up from you know, from the beginning on. Well, that's fucked it then. Tywin's dead, so we're on our own. And it's 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 an it's an interesting it's an interesting touch because we've not seen that before. We've not seen anybody have that sort of awareness or realization before that actually they are completely fucked, and it's only a matter of time before things go wrong. Yeah, I think you're right. I mean, I've, I've mentioned this before as well. Obviously, I know he does what he does at the Red Wedding and stuff, but. 
I've actually got quite a lot of time for Ruth Bolton, and and it's not That's just, just the name. I was going to say it's not just because he's got a cool name. Um, you know, he always strikes me as someone like yes, he did what he did, but he was in an alliance there. But we talked about this, you know, with with his response to to Ramsey as well at times. Like he he's always got a plan in mind. Yeah, and he always he, he's always very stern and always very committed to what he's going to do, and he takes no bullshit from anybody. He talks very straight. Yeah, um, and and I think you know in a show where everybody else is talking in riddles, he's quite refreshing. Oh, and like yeah. you say, to to see him in a situation like this, where, and again, you know, he's not pining over it. He's not no. being all woe is me and and no, it's, he's, 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 he's very he's, blunt, very matter of fact. This is how it is. I mean, he belongs up north, doesn't he? He's that blunt. Yeah. He he practically he is just an evil Stark. Is essentially <laughs> what he is. Yeah, um, and, I mean, you're right. I think it's it's nice that no, everybody else. For all the big words and all the talking, they're all everybody is playing an angle. Everybody's trying to get one over somebody else, and it seems that you no, know, Roos has done his bit. He 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 sold his soul to the devil. He got his reward, and now he's clinging on to it by you no know, by hook or by crook. And he's he's not interested in pacts and you no know, all the double talk and triple talk and all the shit that people like Littlefinger and Tyrion and Varys will do. He says, "Look, I'm Warden of the North. I'm Lord of Winterfell. I'm fucking no. This is this is me." I just yeah. want to keep this. I'm not interested. That I don't want anything bigger. I don't want anything grander. And if something were to happen, I would somehow find myself on the throne, and so be it. But I'm not chasing it. And he's no. probably one of the only people in power at this stage who's not actively seeking it. Yeah, and, and he, as you say, he's very down to earth. He's very matter of fact. You know, his response to this whole situation, I, I think you hit the nail on the head. His response literally is, oh, fuck. <laughs> you know, it's, it's as simple as that. He's just like, oh, fuck. That's bollocks, there. All right, what am I going to do now? But he doesn't, he doesn't pout about it. He's just like, oh, all right, I'll move yeah. on. I'll sort and, something and, out. And he's, he's not there hatching grand plans. No, he's just he's like scheming. I'll, I'll deal with it. He's he's yeah. workmanlike, isn't he? You know. Yeah. Um, it's, all right. Here's a problem. We need to solve it. So let's fucking solve it. Yeah, I I, I like him quite a lot. And and like mm. I say, even even down to and, and we said it at the time as well. You know his his response to Ramsey to you know you've done well, so I will reward you. Yeah, but you when know, you fuck up, I'll make sure you know you fucked up. Yeah, and I, I think, you know, in a show that is so grey, that kind of just black and white, yeah. I quite like. It's quite refreshing. He's just, he calls a spade a spade, and it deals every, deals with every situation head on. There's no kind of false pretense with him. It's just, and, and that's that's why it's so interesting seeing him talk to Littlefinger here, you know, whereas yeah. some people might have kept hold of that raven and and press their advantage at a more opportune time he just yeah. marches straight over to Littlefinger, and he's like well what the fuck's this yeah are you with you me or to? not yeah. yeah tell me the truth now and and we're fine one way or the other you're either with me or you fuck off yeah but i want to know what's going on and, and the thing is as well i mean you look at the the, the bolton sigil you look at their no i mean certainly what ramsey's track record and the first thing we see in this episode is them carting flayed bodies back to winterfell to hang um we <laughs> Even though it's you no, know, his his family sigil is the flayed man, and he's you no, know, he he yes, he did a very callous thing in in turning on Rob. He doesn't he doesn't strike you as cruel. He doesn't strike you no. as as anything other than he doesn't even seem ambitious. It's just like okay, I took advantage of a situation, but in reality, I just want my no, I just want my own little corner of the world. I, I mean, it, that Winterfell or anywhere else. This is what I no, this is me. And it is do. exactly that. It is exactly that. He's not he's not overtly cruel. He's not scheming. He is, as, as I said, I, I think it's probably the best description of him. He is, he is a workman. Yeah. He, he wants what he wants. He just wants a comfortable life for him and his family. 
He'll secure it however he can. If you get in his way, he'll cut you down. If you don't, he'll leave you to your devices. Yeah. Like, fine. He, he, yeah. he would rather not get involved. Yeah, um, that's right. And I've, I've got a bit of time for that. Got to be honest. Mm. I, I, I kind of feel like if I was in this world, I might very well be on Team Bolton. And not just because of the name. <laughs> I'd be like, yeah, do you know what? Fuck them all. Let them all fight. Yeah. I'm, and the, just, the problem you know. is that because of the way... Because of the way he, you know, his 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 biggest act was was uh, killing Rob, but it's the way the show positions people that there is so much grey, but it tries to put people in terms of black and white. Mm-hmm. So because he did something against the Starks, who were clearly the fucking heroes of the show, he's automatically a villain. He's automatically yeah. bad. He's automatically evil. And when you put Ramsay into that equation, you put Theo into that equation. Yes, okay. There's an inherent shitness about people who are affiliated with him, but He's not that. No, not at all. I, I Even down to the way he greets Sansa. Like yeah. knowing, I, all right, you can argue it's two-faced, knowing full well that he sort of killed a brother and a mother. But, you know, he's not He's not horrible to her. He's not shitty about things. He's not no. worried. He's, yeah. he's none of those things. He's just like, I'll treat her as she should be treated. Yeah, as she, she, She's a, a as lady. A lady. Yeah, yeah. She's a lady. She's of noble birth. Yes, okay, I'm kind of living in her house and you know, shitting on her pot and stuff, but she is still a lady, yeah. and she will be treated properly. She will be welcomed properly, and you no, know, and she will be treated appropriately. She will be housed appropriately. All this stuff, because unlike the rest of the people in House Bolton, yourself not included, he's not a cunt. Yeah, he, he isn't a cunt. He's definitely not a cunt. Um, he's he's by no means a hero or a nice no, guy. No, no, no. He's he, he's just Joe Everyman. He's he's just going yeah. about his business. Yeah, um, yeah, I got I got time for him. Um, so then we're we're on our sort of race to the finish. Um, yeah. After that, anyway, moving on. So we get another one of these decisions. Like I said with Marjorie earlier on, I I, I sort of feel like she she made a bad decision, but it was in character. Yeah. And I kind of feel the same about Tyrion in this next scene where he's, yeah. he's had enough. He's gone stir crazy and he's insisting on going out. You know, it's reckless and it's stupid, which is against yeah. character for him, but it feels about right when you consider what he's been through and his reliance on alcohol and whoring previous to all of this. It seems I, I can sort of accept him regressing slightly is, is what I'm trying to say. Too much regression though. Yeah, he does go backwards very far. I mean, he to basically reverts again. I mean, he yeah. reverts to season one, episode one. Yeah, he you no, know, he goes from you know, he goes from, yeah, okay, you know, he was he was always a drunkard, he always drank, and yes, up until he met Shay, he he was out whoring and all the rest, of that, and that. But it's like he's kind of gone. And a friend of mine did this, so I can I can say it with some authority, and she doesn't listen, so she can't fucking tell me off anyway. Uh, a friend of mine got married at twenty three had two kids, and then by the time she was 30, realized that she made a big old fucking mistake and left her husband and got divorced. And then basically tried to restart her life from the time before she met him. Doesn't work like that, does it? Life doesn't work like that because you have all of that experience, all of that, all of those feelings, all of that pain, all of that anxiety, all of that shit that you've been through. It, it informs who you are as a person. So you can't just up sticks and go, right, well, I'm going back to when I was 22. I'm now yeah. 30 and have two kids and responsibilities and a mortgage and shit, but I'm going to go back to when I was 22 and carefree. Life don't work like that, but that seems to be what they've tried to do with Tyrion. Going well, Shay never happened. I was never hand of the king. I was I wasn't nearly killed in battle. I wasn't betrayed by, uh, by the king who tried to kill me. Um, I wasn't put on trial for a murder I didn't commit. Um, I didn't kill my father. All of these things that he has done, which will weigh like a bastard in ton of bricks, 
And don't yeah. forget, he's smaller than everybody else, so it's going to weigh on him. It's going to feel more on him than it would on other people. These things would they would they would cripple him. But he's just a ah fuck it brothel pub. Hey. Yeah, uh, and I, and I think if he continued down this road, that would definitely be an issue. Um, I, th- I think for me the the one off. You know, and he, and he does talk himself up to it. You know, he does yeah. start the scene saying, I need to go out, and he talks himself up to it. I think I can kind of get it at a one-off. Like, like again, I, I totally agree with what you're saying. You know, uh, we are all the product of our life experiences, and, mm. and it fundamentally changes who we are as we go through our lives. Um, you know, not not the same situation as your friend by any stretch of the imagination, but I've, I've had my fair share of shit over the last five years, yeah. um, and I've had to kind of find my own coping mechanism and and mm. eventually I, I found that the way out for me was actually i wouldn't say regression but certainly to kind of reconnect with who i was before mm. all of that shit started now yeah, but, i'm but not that person in, anymore yeah as I said, there's a difference in reconnecting and trying to recreate yes i and, and that and it's exactly that i think in in searching for that person and trying to reconnect there are going to be just elements like this where he's going to go oh i used to like drinking and whoring i'll try that yeah. Uh, you know, so he'll try it. It may not work out, and he'll realize that he's a different person. But that, I think, that is a fundamental part of of accepting these. And and let's be fair, these these horrible things that he's done yeah. that will haunt him for the rest of his life, no doubt. I mean, he's killed a woman that he loves. That can't be yeah. easy. You oh, know, that, and, that, and yeah, that's gonna weigh. Yeah, he he has to come to accept that. And and maybe the first step of that is fuck it. I'm going out drinking and whoring. Yeah. So. But I don't hate the decision, um, is, is what I'm saying. I, I can understand it. I think I think you're right. I think they show us too much of it so that it, it starts to feel a bit odd because yeah. we're not used to seeing that Tyrion and we don't necessarily need to see him go on that whole journey. Yeah. And uh, I, I think as well, I mean it's it's that sort of out is through thing, isn't it? You you so you know you 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 ride out the you ride out the storm to get to where you're going. I think the problem with this is that it's more in service of advancing Jorah's and his narratives than it is advancing the character. It's in service of the story, not in, in service of, of a through line, not a character. So yes. it, dimin- it diminishes the character to a point whereby actually thinking, well, why has he done that? Why would he bother doing that? Why would he put himself in that position? Because he is smarter than that. He, he definitely is. Um, but then there's maybe also an element of he's not thinking straight here. Like I say, he's 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 certainly not in his right mind. He's been cooped up for, I guess, months. He's only got various for company. Um, yeah, we've, uh, we've checked fucking coronavirus lockdown, so yeah, yeah, ain't getting away with that. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I think, I think, yeah, they just maybe pushed it a little bit too far. But yeah, I think so. I, I don't, I don't hate the decision like I hate him flipping out in the courtroom, for instance. Oh yeah, yeah, uh, definitely. I mean, this, this is certainly far more in keeping than that was. Yeah, and and you know, it does give us some very funny stuff as well. You know, uh, again, a great line, not as good as I as cunt, but I'm going out. I need to speak to someone with hair. I thought, I thought it was very funny. Yeah. Um. And and then the you know the scene itself, whilst it, I agree it's it's too heavy handed and it's well we'll get on to how it ends and and what we hope to achieve from that in a minute. Yeah. But I think certainly the initial introduction of Jorah is very well done. Just the yeah. the, the close up of his arm. Uh, you know we're so used to seeing that bracer that we know it's Jorah instantly. Yeah. Uh, and I mean not only that. I mean you see the phenomenon. He he's there and you can you can just sort of see. In what would be his eyelines, you can you see it in the in the shot across his arm, which you know it's in the soft, slightly soft focus that you've got this woman who is clearly dressed as Daenerys, 
yeah. um, and obviously we've had the scene before as well where Joe, uh, where um, Tyrion and Varys are out in the market and you've got another red priest talking about the saviour but they're not talking about Stannis they're talking about Daenerys um, so that was quite a nice touch as well um, but yeah so you, you then see Jorah who's in this tavern brothel whatever the fuck it is looking at this woman who in soft focus and from behind and probably from other angles as well looks an awful lot like Amelia Clark. Um, and so, yeah, it, it's a really nice thing for him to sort of watch him sort of kind of what, no, watch him watching her almost, which is what he's done the entire show anyway. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's good stuff for him. Yeah. Um, yeah. It really works. And and then we, you know, we do get this exchange with Tyrion then where he goes over and starts to talk to a whore and, and yeah, this scene does start to make sense. You know, like we were talking about, like he's gone so far with this and yeah, he's got very, very drunk and yeah, he's sort of watched this. Oh, we, we missed, um, there's a scene with another red priestess, which yeah, is that's what interesting. Yeah, that's what um, yeah, 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 yeah. That, that's, that's, that's interesting just to see someone else. Yeah. Um, but then he, he goes over and, and talks to the, to the whore and, and actually realizes that he's not that person anymore. Yeah. You know, this isn't what he wants. And, and he even says, you know, I, I'm sorry, I, I can't do this. I need to piss. Uh, and, and and so it is that kind of, you can almost see the thought process of I'm going out to get pissed and fuck something. And then when he gets to the point of he's about, he's, he's pissed, but he's about to fuck something. And he's, no, this this isn't what I need. I'm I'm not that person anymore. And, yeah. and I feel like, I feel like he does kind of need to go through that to, to sort of deal with this and get to where he's going. So again, I, I think it's heavy-handed, but I don't hate it at all. Yeah, um, I mean, for me, I, I think it's it's one of those I don't necessarily see that it was necessary. I think there are other. I think we could have seen him. We could have seen him getting through his grief, his remorse, whatever it may be. We could have seen him working that off. In other words, I don't think we needed this scene. It seems more like it's there to serve Jorah. I, I, I it is there to serve Jorah as well, but I think it it serves Tyrion fairly well, um, and it. If I'm honest, I'd rather this than have him mope around for the next fucking five weeks. So, well, yeah, I'll, I mean, I'll take I mean, it. I, I, you know, I, narratively, it it makes it does make sense. And yeah, yeah it's mean, not it's not the most eloquent way to do it, but it makes narrative sense and it moves him on. It gets him back to the character that he needs to be to move the story forward, and it stops yeah. him just pissing and moaning with Varys for the next well, couple yeah. of weeks. I mean, I I've talked probably since season one. Um, about my favourite scenes in this entire fucking show, um, yeah. and they were—I mean, I didn't sort of say what it was at the time because obviously I didn't want to give too much away for people who were watching along. But we know he's—he's he's on his journey now. When he finally gets to meet Daenerys, there's, a, there's an episode—I can't remember what, what number it is—but the two of them sit down and talk turkey. Yes. And much like The Walking Dead, this, the episode with Rick and the Governor, where fuck all else yeah, happens. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's, 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 my fav- it's my favourite bit of TV from this entire fucking show. It's yeah. just them talking, and it's amazing. Um, and I think you're right. I think we possibly needed Tyrion to get from where he was at the end of season four and when he was got out of the box and puked at the beginning of season five. We need to get him to that point. But, I, I mean, for me, this yeah, I think heavy-handed is probably the nicest way of putting it. It season. is. It is heavy-handed, but I think it works. It's functional. It's certainly not the most uh, egregious thing that they've done in terms of things like this. <laughs> no, that's, um, true. that's very true. It's, it's okay. I don't mind it. Now, what I don't get and don't understand is what the fuck's going on. Like, well, no, I do understand the thought behind it, but what the fuck is going on for us as an audience with Jorah kidnapping Tyrion and the way it's set up? Because Tyrion's getting a piss, and Jorah kind of sneaks up on him, and kidnaps him 
And it's meant to imply threat. I get it. And the episode ends with it as though it's some big cliffhanger. And it's meant to imply that there's a threat. Okay. But Tyrion's on his way to see Danny anyway. This actually gets him there faster. So, but, but not only that, what what is Jorah's purpose at this point? Does he well, think exactly. that by taking Tyrion there, he's going to get back in with her? That I this mean, is going to be something that she wants? Maybe it's like Golden Axe, where you kind of just let the dwarf out of the bag and kick the shit out of it, and you get magic <laughs> potions. Maybe, maybe you know, maybe he's just thinking it. They'll have a bit of a game of kick the dwarf, and then everybody's happy. I don't know. Sorry, that's an offensive term as well, isn't it? I think no, dwar- dwarfism um, is a thing. Uh, is that dwarf- okay then? Okay, well, I get, yeah, dwar- I get dwar- confused. Dwar- yeah, dwarfism is a medical condition. Okay, cool. Because I I do get confused with that and the other one, which I won't mention then. Because yeah, the, that the, is... the other one, the other one's offensive. Right, yeah. that's the offensive term. Okay, I do get confused because I don't know any um, short people. Uh, so I don't know short people, but that's because I'm six foot six. Yeah. Uh, well, I know, I know, I know short people, but not like medically short. I don't yeah. know. I'm digging myself a hole. Shut up, Chris. <laughs> um, Keep digging. Keep digging. Yeah. As if, as if saying play kick the dwarf wasn't bad enough. I don't. Uh, anyway, yeah, I, I don't understand. Yeah, like why is he taking Tyrion there? And more importantly, for us as an audience, why is it played off as though it's some implied threat when we know that you know? Yeah, I know Jorah's had a past, but fundamentally he's a decent guy. So we but, know he's not going to hurt Tyrion without good cause. Well, the thing is, I mean, we've had, we've had this thing. We had it last week, and we, it's not we mentioned this week. We had this thing that Cersei had a bounty out on him, and people were killing dwarves left, right, and center to try and find him. Fine, yeah, I get that. So there, no, there is a th- there's a perceived threat there, and if we didn't see it was Jorah, it might have paid off. Yeah, but because we know who it was, and, and we know where he's going, and we know where he's going, he says, "I'm taking you to the Queen." Well, that's yeah. where I'm going anyway. You bell end. Yeah. All, all, all you're doing, I mean, all you're doing is giving me some different fucking company from that bolt whack. Yeah, it, it makes. Well, I mean, it does make sense. It makes perfect sense, but it just, it's played off as something entirely different, yeah. and yeah. it isn't that. No. So it's a very, very weird end. But, but again, I mean, it's it's a weird end. But again, it seems more in service of Jorah because we, what well, we get next week or possibly the week after, something happens to Jorah on their way to see Daenerys. Yes. Which then sends him off in an arc. And all of this just seems to diminish Tyrion and make him a plot device for Jorah to have stuff to do. Yeah. Uh, which, yeah, is, is is not what we need Tyrion for. Tyrion no, is... that's not t- who Tyrion is. I mean, if, if it was, I don't know, for example, somebody, you know, somebody who we've established was like a, you know, a Targaryen cousin or somebody that there is a relationship with or somebody who has an overall bearing to this whole thing of... Daenerys should be on the throne if there was some purpose to it not just a random dwarf I think part of the problem with Tyrion at the moment is up until this point and later on once he's once he's with Daenerys as well um Tyrion's purpose in the show as much as we all love him Tyrion is our exposition machine Tyrion is there is some heavy narrative lifting to do give it to Tyrion yeah, that's he's, his he's purpose. Position, isn't he? Yeah, that's his purpose, and Peter Dinklage does it better than I think anyone in the history of film. He really yeah. does. He handles exposition superbly. To be fair, as well, I hadn't realised until last week when because um, I'm back watching on DVD. Um, I can't be asked to uh, to try and flick through the credits and get to the start of the scene without buggering up. Um, he's now top billing, Peter Dinklage. Uh, and, and rightly so, I would say. Yeah, definitely. Um, you know, we, we've said on several occasions, you know, courtroom scene aside, uh, he is very often the best thing in an episode. Um, yeah. 
I say rightly so. Not really, because Kit Harrington should be top billing because he's well, the hero of the show. But... I think the problem with Kit Harrington would be that people then make assumptions as to where the story is going because they didn't do that anyway. Um, and obviously, but a... it should be where the fucking story's going. <laughs> <laughs> that's the whole point. Well, yeah, that, that's it. And I think that because because they don't want it to look that that it's going that way, and they want to try no, they want to try and make it as open as possible. Giving you know, giving him top billing when he's no, he's an unknown quantity going into this show. Uh, whereas Peter Dinklage isn't, yes. um, so I think you know, it makes sense for Peter Dinklage, especially now that you know uh, Sean Bean's gone, Mark Addy's gone, Charles Dance has gone, lots of high-profile people have gone. So now it kind of makes sense that the person who has you know, who has effectively been your most important character up until this point, not for their importance to the story, but your your important the importance in telling the story, it it does make sense that you now as their stand-up performer they put him front and center and they they give him top billing. Um, but in terms of his story in this season, he should be fucking right down the end with Marcella. Yeah, absolutely, because he does nothing but bumble about for a bit. But that I think that is the problem, is that at the moment, because there isn't a lot of politics going on in King's Landing, and he's not there, and what is going on is easy for us to follow. Yeah. And the politics up in the north is easy for us to follow. There's There's no need for that intermediary. There's no need for somebody to come in and say, ah, but... That's so and so's fifth cousin, seven times removed, yeah, and true. I fucked that one once. And actually, they, did you know that there was this weird law once? And you know, and that's actually one of the things that Tyrion does on the reg. It's the type of stuff you'd more expect a maester to do. Yeah, but Tyrion does it with such a plum that he gets away with it. And there's no there's no cause for that right now because the yeah, story true. at the moment is actually quite linear, probably yeah. the most linear it's been. Um, so, so we don't need him to do any heavy lifting. You know, he's sort of, there is no true narrator, uh, sorry, narrator in this show because there are so many different stories, but he's the yeah. closest thing we've got to one. Yeah. He is, he is the closest thing we've got to a narrator. Um, and we just don't need him right now, mm. but because he's top billing, he has to be in every episode. True. So we have to find something for him to do. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, inter- interestingly, I've never I've never looked at this actually. Um I'll start paying attention. Do the rest <laughs> of the cast only appear in the credits if they appear in the episode? Because contractually they would have to, wouldn't they? Yeah, I think um I'm not sure on that one because I think they, they do change every week because the last week um Marcella was in the credits because she appeared fleetingly and she wasn't there this week. I was I was watching for that. Um, I didn't notice whether Amelia Clark was in the credits this week because um, obviously there's nothing in um, in Marine in Marine yeah Marine there's nothing there this week so I, I I'll have to go back and look but I think I do think they changed they they obviously the, the the overall animation doesn't change but I think the the names change but yeah um, yeah but Peter, Dink, Peter Dinklage is always um, certainly for what I've seen this season so far he's he's top billing because I'm pretty sure I, I mean this may be old fashioned contract law as well. But I'm pretty sure the law used to go that if you were in the credits, you had to be in the episode, which is why, especially on network TV, sometimes you get just the most pointless appearances by characters Hmm. uh, because, you know, they can't be in the show for whatever reason or they're not required that week. But they still have to be in at least one scene for 10 seconds. Yeah, maybe. They're in the fucking credits. I I don't know. I mean, that may be the case. I mean, certainly the, the credits do change. Yeah. Um, week to week, or they did last week to this week, so I'm, I'm assuming that's the case. Don't know. I'll pay attention from now on. <laughs> I would. I, I I I kind of skip through the credits, and if I can't physically so skip I. through them, I tend to. I'm on my phone. I'm doing something else because they're you know. too fucking long. 
Well, they're at least two minutes. And I mean, as the shit gets bigger towards the end of season seven into season eight, where there's a lot more effects and there's a lot more work done and there are a lot more people involved, like, you know, there are a lot more producers and things like that. These fucking credits go even longer. Yeah. I'm sure they do. Oh, yeah, they, they probably do. Um, they, they're a farce, to be honest, these credits. Uh, Whereas, you know, as you know, traditional you know, film and television, stick the fuckers on the end. Yeah. I don't yeah. need to know the casting director was at the start. No, I don't put all that at the end. To be honest, I don't even necessarily need to, need to know who's in the fucking episode. Stick that at the end as well. I'll, I'll I, work it out when I see them. I think the problem with TV with that is, like, with film, there's half a chance that, that you know, especially cinephiles will, will sit... Uh, through the credits at the end, and especially um, now, you know, Marvel have aced that by putting the yeah, sort of post-credits in. Yeah. Like, look, let's be honest. When you're watching something on TV, as soon as it finishes, you're off. You switch over. Yeah. You're you're off. Like you're either switched over, you I, turn I the DVD that. off. You're making a cuppa before the next episode starts. Like you're off. You know. So I, I, I get that. It's just fucking. You, I mean, it's and it's become more of a thing that we did um, droids on SMPD the other day, and when I was putting the video together. The the opening sequence for that is a minute and three seconds, and it doesn't yeah. fucking need to be. No, it is really long. Uh, actually, the and opening it's... sequence though is about the best thing about that fucking show, aside from the song. Yeah, uh, um, you know, the it's... song's fucking awful, but the actual <laughs> opening credits, the sequence, the animated yeah. sequence is really fucking good. Yeah. So, but it, no, I'll it, take it, that. But it's the same here. I don't need two and a half minutes of fucking credits. I don't need a map of Westeros because no. I can't bust to keep up anyway because no. nobody's where they're supposed to be. So. Give us, I don't know, fucking give us twenty seconds of credits, and then launch into the bloody episode, or just give us a give us an ident card, and then do what every other fucking show under the sun has done for the last twenty years, and put your cast over the start of the episode. Yeah, Why get not? on with it. Just get, get on, on with it. With it. Yeah, yeah. I, unless they were that fucking hard up for runtime, and HBO wanted an hour, that that was a way of fleshing it out. I think it's more to do. I think it's it's a conscious decision that's been made to make it appear more cinematic. Is what it is. Maybe, yeah, and it it it, it does make it look very grand. It just pisses me off every week because I've got to fast forward it. Yeah, because it's too fucking long. Yeah, yeah. I mean, the amount the amount of stuff that we watch in a week. Plus, no, I have a life and have stuff I want to watch as well. That's no, that's current and new and all the rest of it. And I want to you know occasionally spend time with the kids and stuff. If I can shave a couple of minutes off by not watching the credits, I'm gonna. Oh do... yeah, definitely skip the fucking things. Oh, fuck I that. do as well. Yeah, fuck that noise. Yeah, um, but anyway, we're we're moaning about the fucking credits again. Now we will never <laughs> cease moaning about the credits. I mean, they look good. Don't get me wrong, and the theme is great, but they're too fucking long. Yeah. Um, just to just to wrap this up, this episode, all in all, really fucking good. It's really yeah. fucking good. It's nicely paced. Uh, stories move along. Like I say, they're becoming more linear, but they all move. Characters grow. Um, you know, even like we said, obviously we had a slight disagreement about it, but even Tyrion seems to be moving from sort of one stage of grief onto the next almost, so he's yeah. moving. Um, it, there's really very little to fault in this episode other than Brienne's horrible fucking backstory. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and the comical... Jeddah from the mountain, uh, yeah. and the, and the kind of lackluster opening. Even as I say, even the House of Black and White gets points for Arya calling the way for cunt. Yeah, so oh, we missed the scene as well where she hides needle. Um, we missed that as well. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. But, but again, I mean, it, 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 but it goes back to what we said. Now she throws everything away. She throws her money away. She throws her clothes away, but she can't throw because, as we said, she's not no one. She's fucking Arya Stark. And yeah, this, she no, knows this, this full thing. well she's coming back for that fucking sword. Yeah, this this sword we've we've come from episode one or possibly episode two where John gives it to her, 
this is Arya's fucking sword. She has been to war over this sword. She has killed people over this sword. Yeah. So yeah. you know, this is no. She's not let. She was never letting this go. And no. as, because it's because, as you said, she's not no one. She's Arya fucking Stark, and she will always be Arya fucking Stark. Yeah. Uh, and and I will be banging that drum for many many episodes. That's probably how we managed to miss her hiding needle because I was conscious that I was banging on about it again <laughs> early on in this episode for the third week in a row. Uh, Only second. So, she wasn't in the first episode. Oh, yeah, second week in a row. Okay, then. That's how much I banged on about it last week, then. It felt like it was three weeks in a row. Uh, but I will continue to bang on about it. So, But, yeah, no, it, it's important. But, again, it was it was one of those, it seems kind of throwaway when she's there, you know, she's there on the dock and she's chucking her stuff in. Because you don't, you know, you don't see Needle. Needle is wrapped up on, in a blanket on the, on the dock next to other stuff, so you don't actually know it's there. And so she takes it out and she's about to throw it in. And all, no, all of a sudden she realises what she'd be giving up. Because yeah. no, this whole thing of she wants to be a faceless power, we know we know full well she's not fucking interested in that. She wants to go and kill the people who killed her family. Yeah, she just wants the Batman training. That's all yeah, she wants. But she doesn't want to be Batman. No, she just wants the training. That's it. Um, yeah, I, again, it, it's actually it's quite nice seeing her hiding needle, but it it, it does totally piss on the whole. Yeah, I do. Yeah, yeah, bollocks. Hate it. Hate that shit. Um, so yeah, I, I, I say other than that, you know, even that side of things didn't annoy me too much this yeah. week. High Sparrow didn't annoy me. Um, it's, I, it's I quite like High Sparrow actually. I, quite, yeah. I, I, I thought that. I mean, I don't remember it being handled so well, and it may Nor be that it was on to be a sanctimonious cunt. But at the moment, I'm I'm all right. I'm on board with it. Yeah, so am I. I mean, let's see how that progresses. But yeah, yeah. other than that, very good episode. My favourite of the season so far. Um, not that last week's was particularly horrible either. Um, a couple of things in last week, yeah. but you know, yeah. Uh, no, I agree. I think it was. I think it's a good episode. Um, as always, love to hear what people think about that. Um, get in touch um, on Twitter at ddpodcastnet. You can go to our website ddpodcast.net and uh, get in touch through there. You can also listen to some of our other shows um, on Facebook with the Double M Podcast Network. Um, again. If queries come through, we tend to answer them as quick as we can. Uh, wherever you get your podcasts from, be it iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Play, TuneIn, wherever, um, like, uh, share, subscribe, drop us a comment. We'll get back to you as best we can. Um, but until next time, game over. <laughs>